Hello and welcome back to the show. This is Brian. And this is John. You're listening to The Big Balance, the podcast for anybody looking for clear, simple advice they can actually apply. Give us a little of your time each week and we'll help you figure out work, life, and everything in between. I've never really been a big social media person, and John, I don't think you are either, right? Nah, I, I, my birthday just came and went, and I just realized I'm like two weeks past, and I forgot to thank the people for wishing me a happy birthday on Facebook. Oh, no, that is, that's just one more place for me to feel guilty about not responding to people. Yeah, because you get like a thousand right. happy birthdays in a row. Oh, I got like seven, and I didn't even respond to them. <laughs> yeah. Well, in an effort to make this show a little bit less of an echo chamber, we've been on Twitter. And I, what's what's what do you call it, a Twitter handle or what's the yeah what's yeah the, it's your 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 username is your Twitter handle what what is our what is our Twitter handle do you even know uh let's find out I'm sure we can figure that out right you know, you know, let me let me open up Twitter like a pro yes do you no, hear, do you hear the clicking yeah uh it is we are at the big balance oh not even podcast Simple. we're just we're no. just keeping everyone balanced yes we are the big balance anyway uh been on twitter and because i don't know what i'm doing i tend to just see tweets that cover topics related to the show and i respond and sometimes more or less seriously which is kind of how i want to start off today i had exchanged a couple tweets with somebody who was asking about how do people with a nine to five manage to fit a side hustle into their lives obviously great topic for us Somehow started talking about KFC's 11 secret herbs and spices, which demonstrates that I can't even stay on topic for 280 characters. But it did get me thinking about Colonel Sanders and not the corporate mascot, but the actual person, Harlan David Sanders, the founder of the company. He had started Kentucky Fried Chicken in 1930 with the first franchise location opening in 1952, but it wasn't really until 1959 that he got serious about franchising. Now, the success of this chicken side hustle is interesting in and of itself, <laughs> but... chicken side hustle. <laughs> the chicken side hustle. Yeah. Uh, but what I really wanted to drive into is the journey that Colonel Sanders took, because he was in his late 60s when all of this stuff was going on. Now, why do I think this is important? Because a lot of people out there have dreams and aspirations of starting something, but oftentimes don't because they feel like they're too late in life. And the message I want to convey in this episode is, it's not. Well, to quote Ricky Bobby misquoting Harlan Sanders, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. I've never seen that movie. Oh, man. Put it on the list. It's it's worth it. If, if It's a dumb comedy, but it's a classic. That's Will Ferrell, right? Yes, of course. Will Ferrell I, and I, John C. Riley. I think Will Ferrell's funny, but for some reason, I don't watch Will Ferrell movies. And I'm not trying to avoid them. I just apparently don't go out of my way to watch them, I guess. I don't know. As with every comedian or comedic actor, I think I end up liking his more dramatic roles more than I like his comedic roles, but... That's a good one. There's there's so many quotable one-liners from that movie. You gotta watch it. I will do. In the meantime, let's get going with today's topic. Better late than never. It's a simple phrase that many of us need to repeat to ourselves a lot more often. I know this is true because you can't throw a stone without hitting something that someone regretted not doing earlier. Wish I'd started taking chances earlier should have taken up that hobby years ago. 
I regret not taking this first step. Now, it's too late. But too late according to who? Why do we get so preoccupied with what could have happened yesterday that we let it stop us from achieving great things tomorrow? Let's spend some time going through a few examples of why today can and should be your day. Now, there are two things that make the Colonel Sanders story interesting to me. And the first is all the different places he went and jobs he had through his life. And the second is how many of those jobs ended in fistfights. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued now. I'm curious. Did he adopt the moniker Colonel before he was actually granted the title of a Kentucky Colonel? I know he was actually awarded that title. I have no idea if if he... I I guess it's the fake it till you make it thing. You want to be a Colonel? Just call yourself Colonel. And for anybody uh, unfamiliar, the Kentucky Colonel is not a designation of any military rank. It's actually like a, a title... I don't know what would be equivalent off the top of my head, but it's a, a title you've given to, like, sir, I guess, right? Sir guess so. Colonel Sanders. <laughs> Is there a Pennsylvania equivalent of colonel? I don't know. That's a good question. I'll have to look that up. Anyway, Sanders started working very young. He was a farmhand from the time he was about 10 to 14. And I feel like that was, I guess, pretty common at the turn of the century, right? Whole families, including kids, working on the farm or the family business. Anyway, he moved out about 16 to become a streetcar conductor before doing something else I think is pretty common at the time for some reason, which is falsifying your birthday and going into the army. He held a few railway jobs until getting in his first fistfight with a co-worker, or at least the the first. Real quick, sorry to get us off topic again. Nebraska Admiral, Arkansas Traveler are comparable Traveler? That's... Yeah, that's pretty cool. I love that. Yeah, the Arkansas Traveler. Honorary title bestowed upon notable individuals who, through their actions, serve as goodwill ambassadors to the state of Arkansas. I want to get a campaign going to have uh, Pennsylvania have some kind of title like that. I, I love. I like Traveler. It's pretty cool. That one's cool. That one's really cool. Rhode Island Commodore is the last one that I'll, I'll oh, give Oh, Commodore. Yeah. I like that one now. I, I'm going with Commodore. Yeah, Commodore Barry, right? Uh, Now I'm going to be known for just charging people exorbitant rates to get out of Jersey. (laughs) Or charging people exorbitant rates to subscribe to the Big Balance Podcast. (laughs) Uh, Did I ever tell you my conspiracy theory about the tolls on the bridges going from Philly to Jersey? No, lay it on me. So for anybody not familiar, there are bridges that go from Philadelphia to the great state of New Jersey. You don't pay anything going from Philly to Jersey. You do pay coming back and my theory on this is they are hoping that people go over the bridge unaware have no money you're stuck in jersey (laughs) have to set up a family and live there and that's the only reason to this day anybody chooses to live in the state of new jersey (laughs) just set up camp in jersey and just you know kind of start a family taxes are awful from what i hear oh Oh, cherry hill that's high very high yes yeah no, that happened to me once. I, I went over the bridge. This is when I was very young and I didn't know any better. I went over the bridge. I did it in high school, too, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I stopped at a Wawa. My, and, and again, people who aren't familiar with the area, Wawa is the name of the convenience store chain around here. Uh, stopped at a convenience store. Very informative today. We're very informative. A lot of PA and Kentucky history today. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I stopped off at the convenience store. My credit card did not work and I didn't have any money. Figured, damn, I need to stop and get a job, make some money. Well, I need a place to live while I'm working this job. Oh, God, I have a family all of a sudden. So now I live in Jersey. 
But luckily, that somebody working out the convenience store fronted me the, uh, I think it was like $3 at the time to get back over, which was great. You're showing your age because it's it's been $5 for some time now. Uh, I remember when it was $4. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't even remember I left off with, with dear Colonel Sanders here. Oh, here I am. All right, let's, let's get back on topic. Now, during this time, Sanders was also earning a correspondence degree in law, and he did eventually become a lawyer for all of three years. And his career ended with, you guessed it, another fist fight. Uh, this time, put him yeah, up, put him up. This time with his own client in the courtroom. <laughs> That's did how you he, end a law career. So was he a criminal defense attorney? I have no idea. He wasn't an attorney very long. I know that. No, John, <laughs> has there ever been a client that you've just wanted to clock? I, I wouldn't say a client. I'll, I'll go back to pre-consultancy days, and there was somebody who was a member at the club I was working at who assumed the role of, of my boss, not by any actual official title or anything, just kind of took it up. Oh, he just walked into it. They, they, they just kind of took it upon themselves to like say Colonel that. Sanders did call himself a Colonel until he earned yeah, it. Pretty much. Uh, there was on more than one occasion that I, I wouldn't say I wanted to punch them, but I definitely wanted to give them a piece of my mind for sure. Now, after he ended his illustrious and short law career, Sanders sold insurance for a while, worked in state government, and eventually landed a job in tire sales, which is actually the first step he took towards becoming the chicken czar, which is a a weird intro, but we'll get to that in a minute. Already, that's a lot of different careers to have, and he he spanned a few states doing this. You know, I've, I've worked and lived in Pennsylvania the entire time I've been an adult. And I've changed careers a little bit, but never so wildly as he did. I've done some painting in my spare time. I've also worked part-time at a brewery. I do work part-time at a brewery, managing an office for a small country club, and then management consultancy. So can't say I've been too all over the map at all. I've been pretty much in the same exact spot. It's been within probably a 50-mile radius, right? Now, on that job as a tire salesman, Sanders met the general manager of Standard Oil of Kentucky. This led to a job operating a service station. This is where Sanders starts selling food at this service station. And it's also where his career almost ended again and his life almost ended again as he got into yet another fight with a rival this time ending up in the shooting death of a Shell employee. But when his rebel went to prison for murder, it cleared away competition, so Sanders was pretty free and clear <laughs> to sell gas, sell chicken, and do whatever he wanted to do in that town. How crazy is that? I would quit. If I'm a service station employee and I get shot at by a competitor, I'm hanging up my apron. I'm, I'm getting a job in, I don't know, commercial real estate. I don't yeah, I know. I think he's throwing in the towel on life at that point if he's, not, if he's walking yeah. away with his life. But a question for you, these shell stations that he was working for, is this where he got the idea of franchising? Is this where that kind of got his feet wet there at all? Or were these company stores? The shell station he worked for, he didn't own the location, but Shell let him live there for free. And his start in food was he turned the portion he lived in into a little bit of a diner. So he started gaining a little bit of notoriety for his food at that point. Now, if you think he's going to go full board the chicken at this point, you're wrong. He went on to own a motel and manage a government cafeteria for about 10 more years. But throughout this entire time, he's developing this secret urban spice recipe 
and more importantly, the way he prepared it through pressure frying chicken. That was a new thing when when he came around and came up with the idea. Something tells me 10 herbs and spices probably just isn't enough. I feel like you need an extra herb and or spice. Would you agree? You have to wonder. I got to imagine one of those spices is salt. I don't know. Right? Like, Absolutely. The other one's got to be pepper, right? <laughs> there's there's at least salt and pepper in there. <laughs> I am not a chef. This, this is the... The extent of my abilities, put salt and pepper on it. That's all I got. It, garlic is the other one that I'm going to use <laughs> if I'm making it. So we got three of them down if if we're putting my money on it. Semi-related because it's an egg, which is the, the precursor to chicken hood. The next time you make scrambled eggs, put a little bit of rosemary in there. It's okay. actually an amazing okay. add to a scrambled egg. Also, how kind of gross is it to think about when you coat chicken in egg before you bread it? You're you're basically think if somebody said to you we're gonna just coat you in the goo of the blood of, of a newborn of unborn children. God, where are we? And then we're gonna fry you. Going up. with this episode, and we're we're making awful use of time right now. I'm sorry. So we started franchising in about 1952 and went full swing into it around 1959. Now this is not a KFC episode. We're not being paid off by big chicken. But lucky for us, there's actually a ton of examples of people achieving success later in life. I think one we've mentioned on this pod before, and correct me if I'm wrong, did we mention Stan Lee before? I don't think we have. Now, do you know how old he was when The Amazing Spider-Man was published? No idea. He was 39, so not as old as Harland here, but for somebody who's on the on the other side of 40, but staring down the barrel of that gun. 39 is not too late to start a creative endeavor, creative career. Bob Ross would be another one. Brian, are you familiar with Bob Ross's occupation prior painting Happy Little Trees? I I only know him as a Happy Little Tree and Cloud guy. He was a military man. He spent 20 years in the Air Force. That is such a stark contrast to Happy Little Trees. And for my last uh, example that I can give you, Julia Child. She went to culinary school in France. I forget, I think it was the Cordon Bleu or whatever that school is when she was on the other side of 50 as well. So closer to Harlan's age. And shortly thereafter, she became, I would think what many consider the first celebrity chef, right? So yeah. uh, it's never too late. Honestly, these are anecdotes, sure, but statistically, most people don't hit their stride early, and the ages that you're quoting are about the average. Most business founders are around 40 when they get started. So if you have an idea for a side hustle you've been cooking up, but you feel like it's too late, think again. You're actually in really good company. And a few examples I came up with... Rodney Dangerfield got no respect until 46 when he was on the Ed Sullivan Ooh, Show. That's a good one. Samuel L. Jackson had no idea what a Royale with cheese was until his acting career really took off in his 40s. Vera Wang, when she designed her first dress, 40. And Henry Ford, Model T, was born when he was 45. So, again, a lot of people are starting later in life, and it's really not a good excuse for holding back on something you feel really passionate about. Way to go with the uh, the nice, he didn't know what a Royale with cheese was. Until right. I, I, good is job. that going to play? I don't know. We're going to find we'll out. See. We're going to find out. <laughs> now, so far, this is all some really feel-good content. And if anybody out there is on the edge of starting a side hustle or considering the possibilities, hopefully this gives you the inspirational push you need to get started. But a good many more won't. 
And they may have an idea, maybe it's a damn good idea, but they're going to find some reason not to move ahead. Maybe they still feel like it's too late. Maybe they feel like life's responsibilities are not leaving them any room. Well, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a bit more about what we can do to break through any of these fears, hesitations, or doubts about starting something that we're passionate about. In the first half of the show, we busted through the notion that anyone out there is too old to start a side hustle. But there's still plenty more our brains throw at us to try to give up before we start. Maybe a side project feels too big, or maybe we're uncomfortable extending ourselves in new ways. Maybe we're just anxious about getting it wrong. We've talked about imposter syndrome. Anytime you start any new endeavor, there's going to always be those feelings of self-doubt or inadequacy. I consider imposter syndrome to be something that has basically guided the philosophy of the insecure overachiever. For somebody who is, I guess at this point, self-diagnosed that, I constantly deal with those internal doubts. Well, that's the thing, too. You, you say internal doubt. That's exactly what it is. And I think... If all of these fears and doubts we have live in these dark recesses of our mind, those are the things that most of us are the worst at addressing. We're really good at addressing problems head on, but these things kind of lurking behind the scenes, kind of under the radar, it's hard to actually recognize the root of what we're feeling, right? So for anything based on an irrational fear, let's just label them that way and don't let them stand in your way. We can start building some plans to deal with it. Let's figure out what we can do to get better at the work-life balance if we feel like we don't have enough time. Let's figure out what we need from a minimally viable product perspective if we don't have the money. Any of these issues we have, let's build a plan around. So let's dig into some of the issues that we at least tell ourselves are the reasons we can't get going. First and foremost, I'm going to go with fear of doing it wrong because it's the easiest. Point blank, if not doing it at all can't be any better why not just start, right? Every master starts as a novice, so you might as well try. And I think we've talked about the barrier to entry before on, on some of our other episodes. And Episode one, yeah. even. And and if you need another reminder, if you've listened to episode one and you're listening to this, yeah, here you go. Here's your reminder. Now let's move on to the next one. Maybe things feel too big. And this is a little anecdote, and I wish I remember where I read this. It's been years, and I forgot everything about this article except for this one notion that just stuck with me for years. It was, if I recall, uh, a traveling chef. He was going internationally trying new foods. Now, when you think about starting a restaurant, right, that's a huge upfront cost. It's complex to get up and running and statistically high rate of failure. If you're going to start a side hustle, a restaurant seems like a very risky thing to do. But this guy was talking about a restaurant owner in Thailand, I think, who started as a small street vendor, got hugely successful, became a staple of the area, and he grew really slowly. He didn't go from zero to 60 all at once. He started with a single food cart and grew up from there. And I, I feel like that's the right way to go about it, right? Now, this is a completely original thought. 
something tells me that you know an empire like Rome wasn't built in a day, right? <laughs> that was a lot more succinct than than my story about a food truck. So thank you for that. Kind of cut out ten minutes of the podcast. Yeah, if you made it this far, hey, Brian rambles and John was the the one who was succinct this time. What are the odds? Yeah. Well, long story short, if I was going to consider taking on a new side hustle. One thing I could do is try to start small. What is that minimally viable product I can start just to get moving? Uh, It's Rome, and then you build the empire after. Now, how about feeling uncomfortable with the unknown or extending ourselves? And I think a lot of people feel this way, right? A lot of the time when we come up with the core idea for a side hustle, it comes from something we have passion for. Let's say, for example, you want to write a book or you are writing a book. That's what you're passionate about. But then all the hoop jumping to find an agent, all the things you have to do to market, the business side of writing, that's outside of your comfort zone. Nothing to do here other than really embrace that growth and recognize that branching out in the new territory does take work and does require a new skill set that we may not have. And that's okay. And John, we're a great example because we have not pushed as hard as we can from any kind of a marketing standpoint for the podcast. We're we're open to it, but we we haven't given it a really fair shot. And maybe it is a fear aspect to it. Maybe it's we don't want to be disappointed when we don't see the same effort we're putting into it. We're not seeing the rewards or the ROI on it. So yeah, maybe there is a fear aspect. Yeah, fear of failure, that's that's a real palpable fear a lot of people have. And like I said, if the alternative is not even trying, well, is that better than failing? I would say no. And looking at our good buddy Harlan as an example, he started in 52 with making the chicken, but it wasn't until he started building with the motel and then franchising it out from there that he saw ultimate real success. So that's a seven year gap. Imagine if we do this podcast for seven years before we see any type of success. You're going to get tired of me way before that point. I I think we're going to get tired of ourselves. The (laughs) listeners are going to get tired of us. So yeah. See you later guys. Are you making the conscious decision or is it not a conscious decision to say, I'm going to start to push this in earnest or I'm going to start to give it my all. And maybe that's not just a hard line in the sand that you draw. It might be a process. Well, I think it's honestly a combination of two things. One, to your point, maybe there is a a conscious jump at some point or maybe you do ease into it. But I think the other end is finding and noticing that decisive moment. Right. Like we talked to God a few episodes ago about what it means to be lucky. And part of being lucky is recognizing opportunities when they exist. So I I think there's a a fair balance of both of those things. There's there's a moment of reckoning. And to use a more personal example here for myself, Rachel and I are just put an offer in on a home and we were fortunate enough that it was accepted. Part of that came with a lot of legwork, seeing and touring multiple houses before we found the right one for us, before we found an offer, or before we found the house that we wanted to put an offer in. And we had an offer that was rejected before we had an offer that was accepted. But the offer that was accepted, we came in and it felt like, I mean, it felt like we were kind of preparing for battle a little bit. And knowing that you're preparing yourself to take that next step it's it's not always I'm doing it right this second, but should the opportunity arise, i.e. the lucky ones, you're prepared to make that next step. Tell you something else, too, going back to the idea of, of fear of failure itself as well. I've been a big fan of Charlie Brown and Peanuts for a while for one really specific example. And Judge, you ever watch a lot of those Charlie Brown TV specials growing up? 
Of course. Yeah, yeah. the Great Pumpkin. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let yeah. me let me tell you something I dislike about a lot of made for kids television shows. You ever hear of something called the magic feather trope? Enlighten me. So the idea of this magic feather is the protagonist thinks they need to get this magic feather or this this item that will help them succeed in whatever task they're doing and by the end of the story the main character realizes it was in themselves the entire time and all they had to do was believe and be confident and they're going to succeed it's a fun story but at the same time i wouldn't say it's realistic either the reason i really like peanuts is they don't even pretend to go there there is one special if i remember it was charlie brown was entering a spelling bee he spends the whole time getting ready for the spelling bee. Everybody else characteristically says, Charlie Brown, you're a blockhead. You're not going to do it well, and you're going to fail. He keeps trying anyway. Day of the spelling bee comes, and he bites it. He just fails. Towards the end of the special, he's in his room hiding under a blanket, and Linus comes in. Linus essentially says to him, like, hey, yeah, you failed. You know, you messed up. You didn't win the spelling bee. But life's going to go on, and you're going to be fine. And that was the takeaway from this show, was everybody messes up, right? Fear of failure is a real fear, but failure's part of life. Failure's how you grow. So letting the, the fear of failure stop you from even trying, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense when you actually stop and be mindful and think about what it is that you're afraid of. All I can think about the entire time is maybe the victory was the journey or the friends we made along the way. <laughs> the, the, right? the friends we made along the way, the chicken we made along the way, all of it. <laughs> the pressure cooked chicken we made along the way that we enjoyed with all 11 herbs and spices. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. But there's one thing to take away from this episode, from my opinion, it's this. The biggest threat to your side hustle is always going to be inaction. If you slow down, you stop. And if you stop, getting started gets really hard. So make a plan to always move forward. It doesn't have to be big steps every day. Just make sure you're always doing something to make progress forward. And as if you thought I couldn't give you any more cliches, a rolling stone gathers no moss, bro. Perfect, perfect way to, to end the episode on an analogy that's not fun. Thanks for listening to the Big Balance Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and drop us a comment while you're there. Until next time.